0: Welcome, everybody, to our bonus podcast this morning. Uh, My name is Crystal Taves. I'm the pastor of women here at Northview, and I'm joined by Thalia. Good morning. Who is a pastor of care here at Northview. We are in a different location and have a different audience today, so we thought we would let you know about that. Uh, We are at our women's ministry, our Wednesday morning Bible study, from 11 to 11.30 every week. We have had uh, different people from the church come and talk about their ministry areas so that we get a sense as a church for what's going on. And so this week we thought we would let the women here at Northview see us do a podcast. So we are here with about 70 of our friends from the Bible study. We want to hear them yeah.
1: doing a live we podcast. sound really famous that way. I know. That sounds sounds like 70 we're, of our friends. we're the new Oprahs or something yeah, exactly. of the church. <laughs> it's really
0: weird. Well, that is what we're doing. Yes, I know. <laughs> Even if it's weird. Um, we're going to have a good time talking about the topic of prayer. We thought this would be a great topic that lots of people have questions on and want to give input on, so we thought it would be an accessible one for lots of different people to talk about. We have, um, in the last 10 or 15 minutes before, as we're prepping this, we asked people to ask their prayer questions, and so we have asked, various people within the group, uh, to voice some of those questions on the podcast, to say their name, and voice the question, and then we'll do our best to answer them. Whatever we don't get through in the next 15 or 20 minutes, Thalia and I will finish up later, because mm-hmm. uh, we do have a time limit, and kids need to get picked up here. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: and it's a teaser. It means that people will listen to the last part of the podcast. That's right. We're just trying to increase our <laughs> listenership. I know. That's what this is all about. Because yeah. we're all about being famous, that's, that's right. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Good thing it's not video. Okay, that's, all I we can are say. Going,
0: that's right. We are going to go to our first question. So I think there's people in the audience that are prepped to do this.
1: Hi, my name is Erin Peters. First question we
0: have is, what is prayer? That's a good basic question, a great place to start. Um, we have different preconceptions of what that is, but basically it's a, it's a conversation that we initiate, that God initiates with us. It's being in that place of communication with God. And so I think of it as... Um, My kids walking in the door, it's after school, and me hearing about their day, hearing them talk about what's important to them, what's uh, on their minds, what are their cares and what are their concerns. That's basically what prayer is. It's us entering into that relationship with God, into that place of uh, trust in Him and of confessing our worries to Him and talking about our joys to Him. It's that relational aspect. Yeah, so it can be
1: requests and thanksgiving and confession and prayers for others, prayers for ourselves, all kinds of prayer. Okay, another question. Hi, my name's Tina Watson. Next question is, why pray if God is sovereign? As well as, does prayer change how God acts? Right.
0: So this is a big question that people have, Mm -hmm. especially people that really believe strongly in what Scripture says about God is sovereign over the whole world. And Mm -hmm. so do, do our words change... Um, the way that God acts. So first of all, I want to say uh, I did a reading on, or a little essay on prayer, uh, based on John Calvin's work on prayer, and I really liked what he said about it. So I'm going to read a little bit about that. Uh, he says, let me just see this part. Put on your reading glasses. Yeah, that's the key. Ca- <laughs> okay, I can't find my page. So I'm going to skip that and go to that later, if I can find it later. But he talks about the fact You have to put on your reading glasses. No, but I know it's here somewhere. Anyways, he talks about the fact that people, oh here it is, people who argue that prayer is pointless because God already knows everything do not understand that God instituted prayer more for our sake than for His. Prayer is designed to inflame our hearts, to seek and serve Him, to help us filter out the selfishness of our own desires, to prepare us to receive good things with gratitude, to increase our love for God as we see Him responding to our requests and to confirm our understanding of His providence. So as we are in this place where, as we're studying in the book of Ruth and Esther, as we ask things for God and then we see Him respond, it increases our trust in Him, right? Mm-hmm. So his, the whole idea of prayer, behind prayer, is that we enter into these relationships so that we can have this relationship with God confirmed, that we can see Him answer. He chooses to act in response to our prayers. Mm-hmm. At the same time, God does change or we are, His actions are influenced by what we pray, um, because that has how God has chosen for things to happen in the world. If you look throughout Scripture, God presents people with a problem, they come to Him in prayer and He responds in relation to that. So God has designed, He has He's not limited by our prayers, but He has chosen to act in response to our prayers. He calls us to pray. He calls us to ask for things. He calls us to come before Him with our concerns because He wants to respond in our behalf. So, Mm -hmm. He wants to act on our behalf and He wants us to know that we, that He is trustworthy. So if you think of, um, if we got everything that we needed without ever asking for something, we wouldn't be thankful for those things. We wouldn't know that it was from the hand of God. You look at the people like Hannah in the Old Testament that prayed for years for a son, and it was only way later that she petitioned God and God gave it to her that she realized it was from God. And so some of these actions that we are involved in in prayer are to build our faith, to let us know that the thing that we are getting is from God Mm -hmm. itself, himself, and that he is acting on our behalf.
1: Yeah. James 4, 2 says, you do not have because you do not ask. And then in the Gospels, in Luke 11, it talks about, you know, the very famous verse, ask, seek, and knock. We are allowed to
0: ask. And we're told to ask.
1: And we're we're told commanded to, to ask. ask. Yeah. yeah.
0: And through that process of asking, God will either answer as we want Him to, or else He will clarif- he'll help us clarify what's important to us. The more we bring things to Him, the more we clarify what's important to us. And the more he helps, us to, he helps to guide us and to change us and to maybe change our attitudes. I can look back through prayer journals, and I can see how God has, as I've continually brought things to him in prayer, he's helped me clarify what actually is important and what actually I need to change and what mm-hmm. I don't need to change and what I need to keep bringing to him. So.
1: so, Crystal, when we say God answered our prayers, what do we usually mean? We usually mean that he
0: answered it the way we wanted
1: it yes. answered. Yeah. We want the yes. The yes means answered prayer. But what are some other answers to prayer? No, no, wait, not now. So we have to be careful about how we are even speaking the language of those questions. We want God to answer our prayers, but are we ready for a no? That might be the answer. Yeah,
0: yeah. so just because it hasn't answered, been answered the way we want it to doesn't mean he hasn't answered. Mm-mm. Okay, next question.
1: I think it's My Emily? name is Emily
0: Walsh, and for building on that, how do we discern God's answers to our prayers? Yeah. So if we don't get the kind of the light shining down out of heaven that tells us exactly what we're supposed to do when, when we pray, how do we discern what his answers are? Um, I love the verse uh, in, chapter, or in James 1. It talks about um, if anybody lacks wisdom, they should ask God for wisdom, and God will give generously, and we should move forward without doubting, because he who doubts is like a wave cast to and from in the sea. And so I think if we know that what we're asking is in line with God's will, if it's nothing that would be out of line with his, um, the moral laws that he has within Scripture, we know all along through Scripture what his will is, if we're asking for something and we're knowing that it's in obedience to him and we're asking for wisdom, then I would say, God would say, just move forward and I will give you the wisdom as you move forward. Mm-hmm. Um, don't doubt, just
1: believe that he is going to give you the wisdom to work, it, work this out and walk through it. And to add to that, make sure that you have trusted, solid Christians around that you, around you, that you can check with. So Scripture is one. Checking with our friends, our trusted Christian friends, is another. Um, what else would we say? Yeah, I think that's good. Yeah. Okay. Next question. I'm, my name is Suzanne Shaw, and my question is, who do we pray to? God, Jesus, or the Holy Spirit? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, you hear people
0: talking, praying to God, praying to Jesus, praying to the Holy Spirit. So how do we, how do we walk through that? How do we teach that? Um, Within scripture, the model that you see is praying to God, um, on, because of what Jesus has done for us, we can approach God and then asking the Holy Spirit uh, be, through the power of the Holy Spirit is how we uh, are given the, the ability to communicate with God, right? So there's this threefold kind of pattern where we're praying to God uh, through Jesus' blood because it's only through Jesus that we're allowed to even approach God uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit. But that doesn't mean uh, that we can't ever address Jesus in our prayers and that we can't ever address the Holy Spirit in our prayers. So the way I think of it is the fact that the God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, they each have different roles that they play. So God is the initiator of actions. Jesus is the one who intercedes for us. And the Holy Spirit is the one that empowers us. So if I am praying, I need, I need um, inspiration, I need power to do something, to teach or whatever, I will say, Holy Spirit, Give me the power that I need today to do this job that you've put before me, because that is the Holy Spirit's role, Um, Jesus. uh, I'm feeling so horrible for these sins that I've committed. Jesus, are you and intercede for me before the Father? That's praying to Jesus, Mm -hmm. right? So I think it's depending on. Think of the roles that they play, and then ask them to intercede. Ask them to act on your behalf, because they are all God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all God. Yet they play different roles. But in terms of when we pray. Um, the model that's given in Scripture is praying to God the Father,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, like I said, because of Jesus, through the power of the Spirit.
1: Yeah. Hey, okay, another one. My name is Rose Glassetter, and my question is, how do we know if there is a barrier or blockage between us and God? Yeah. So part of that is, how, what kinds of things hinder us from accessing God through our prayers? And one of those is sin. We know that Psalm 66, verse 18, if I cherish sin in my heart, God would not listen. So we need to be clean before God, um, but we don't always know that we're clean before God. So that's the purpose of repentance and confession. And we go to God and we say, Lord, please forgive me. Please um, clean me up. Psalm 51 and Isaiah, we want to be washed whiter than snow. We need God to clean us up so that there is no sin that we're cherishing. And we don't always know everything that's in our hearts. And so we ask God just to reveal it to us. Lord, what am I cherishing? What am I involved in that's not honoring to you? What else would you add?
0: Yeah, at the same time, I would say it's not in God's nature to say, well, you didn't confess that one sin, so I'm not (laughs) listening to you. If it's stuff that we're not aware of, God is not that kind of God, right? He's the kind of God that wants us to be in communication with him, that wants us to relate to him. And so I think we can pray, yeah, God, if there is something that's stopping me, Reveal it to me, but don't panic about it. Don't yeah. think like, oh, I didn't confess everything, and so therefore God won't hear me, because that's not his nature.
1: No. And how many times are you driving around town, and you remember something that you did when you were a teenager, and you're horrified, and you think, did I confess that? <laughs> and so what happens to me is I'll say, Lord, I, th- I think I confessed that. I- I'm pretty sure I have, but just in case, please forgive me for that, and help me just keep moving on with my day, not to feel that guilt and that condemnation, that shame the rest of the day. Because God's got it covered already. He did that on the cross. So we are free to bring up things that plague us and walk then forward.
0: Yeah, and I think it's caref- we need to be careful in our language that we use as we talk to each other about this. Because we don't want to put guilt and shame on somebody else and say, Oh, maybe you're unhealthy because of sin. And make people feel really under condemnation. Because uh, that might be the case. But it might be, like there's lots of times within the Bible where somebody even said to Jesus... Um, why is this man born blind? Was it because of his sin or because of the sin of his fathers? And he said, no, it's just so God's glory could be manifested in this person's life. So n- sin is not always tied to illness. Sometimes it is, but it's not always. So we don't want to put that on people and say, well, you must." there must be something in your life if you're experiencing this sickness, yeah. uh, because that's definitely not a biblical idea. Yeah. Okay, some practical questions. I think we're done some of those theological ones. Mm-hmm. What are some of the practical ones?
1: Hi, I'm Karen McBurney. Um,
0: My question is, how do we pray? Is there a set, like, a certain way to pray, or
1: a certain time of day that we should be praying, or uh, a certain heart attitude that we need to be in? What's fun is, if you start reading through the Bible from the beginning to the end, and you look specifically where someone is praying, Crystal and I did a TLC class a couple years ago, and we looked at a variety of prayers throughout the Bible, so... Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 1, Moses and Solomon, and we looked at how they were praying, Daniel, and some people are on their knees, like Daniel before the window at a set time of day. Jesus is in the garden, and he's in agony. Hannah's at the temple, and she's on her face, silently praying. Solomon has his hands lifted up to heaven. There are so many different ways to pray. There's not one set way. Now, there might be ways that you are more comfortable with. Some people love to walk and pray. Some people love to drive and pray. Some people run. Some people have a um, a private place in their house. So my dad went to Israel a number of years ago, and he has a prayer rug, and he has a candle there. And so his way of keeping himself focused is he sits or kneels on his prayer rug and puts the candle on while he's praying. So there are lots of different ways to pray. Some people pray in the morning. Some people pray in the night or all through the day. It's great just as to be constant in prayer, to pray continuously, 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Yeah,
0: and I think it's a good balance to have maybe some set times where you try to set aside on a regular basis to remind yourself, um, and then also have be open to praying all throughout your day, but don't just limit it to all throughout the day prayers. I think it's good to also have yeah. some set time, not to be legalistic about it or to say, you know, have a lot of shame if you miss here and there, but I think it's important to mm-hmm. have both. Yeah. Yeah. Next question.
1: Hi, my name is Odess. Um, This question resonates to me the most because I'm new to uh, praying with the Christian community. Yeah. And having a Catholic background, I'm used to um, uh, praying, memorized prayers, I guess. My question is, my prayers don't sound as good as other people's. Yeah. So what should I do, and how how can I learn to pray better? Yeah. How many of us in this room feel like our prayers don't sound as good as someone else's? (laughs) Now, you (laughs) can't see us because this podcast is only audio, but (laughs) practically everybody raised their hands. Crystal and I pray with the pastors every Tuesday morning for an hour, and always it feels like someone else prays better. <laughs> <laughs> we should have sometimes, gold stars or sometimes that's crystal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we feel that way. But that's really not the point, right? When we pray with a group of people, it's our words to God and people are listening and we want to sound like ourselves and we want to express ourselves the way we are truthfully. Mm-hmm. So that's okay. It's the point is to pray. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so and yeah. I'd say
0: it's a it's a thing of practice, too, mm-hmm. and it's a, a piece of it is also knowing God's word because I think the more that we know his word, the more that we have scripture memorized, we will say the words that are in line with his words, right? We'll be even quoting scripture without even knowing it because it'll come out of what we've read and what we've listened to. Yeah. Um, so I think being in the word of God and memorizing scripture and knowing God's will and what his heart would be, if you memorize or look at some of the prayers in Ephesians and Colossians, it's just amazing richness. And if we know those prayers, we will pray those kind of prayers yeah. for people, praying that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened to know the grace of God. Like, yeah. those are powerful words that are in Scripture. So and I'd say study the prayers. And yeah. it's
1: not wrong to pray memorized prayers. No. There are some great liturgical prayers coming out of, like, the Anglican Church and Catholic Church. There are some great prayers. But it's also, we want to be able to pray in, in the way that we express ourselves to the God that made us. Yeah. 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 Next question. Hi, I'm Amanda O'Reilly. My question is, when people are sick, do we pray for healing and how do we counsel them and encourage them? Mm -hmm. Absolutely, we pray for healing because God does heal. And it says in James 5 that if we're sick, we can pray. And if we're sick, we can go to the elders for prayer. Once a month, the elders gather and they anoint people with oil as um, as according to that verse in James, and they pray for their healing because God is fully able to heal on his own by himself with no other intervention. But he also provides wisdom through doctors and nurses and naturopaths and physiotherapists and on and on. He has provided wisdom that we can use and access here. So yes, we want to encourage people to pray for their healing, for their own healing and pray for them. We also want to pray and encourage them to get whatever medical help that they have access to. And
0: we also want to encourage them, or we also want to pray for their faith, yeah. that their faith would be built through yeah. this process, and that as they go along through the journey, whatever God chooses to do, whether he chooses to heal them now or um, brings them home to heaven if it's a terminal mm-hmm. illness, that their faith will be increased and it will grow and they will get closer to God through that process. Yeah. So as we pray with them, we, Thaley and I are usually at the elder prayer. We mm-hmm. just love being there to be there for the women that come. Mm-hmm. Uh, we pray for all those things. We pray for healing because God says that we should pray for healing. And we also pray for their st- faith to be strengthened, so that they have the faith to go through whatever they need to go through. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So I think it's all those things, all mm-hmm. of the above.
1: Okay, might be the last question. Yeah. And my name is Stephanie Redekop, and my question comes from a family member of mine. So in Mm -hmm. Philippians 4, verse 8, it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. So taking that all into account, why would someone still feel anxious if they have done all of those things? Yeah, and there's different levels of that. Like, we are people, so we will always struggle with worry and anxiety to a certain level. Like, I can't even think of a day when we don't have some worry or anxiety. That's part of being human on this earth as part of our broken world. It's part of the fall. Sin entered the world, and sin is worry and anxiety and all those things. So we struggle with that. Now, when it gets past that, when it really affects a person's life to the point where they're not able to work or enjoy their hobbies or take care of their kids or do the things that they normally do, that's when we really need medical help. And so we have great doctors and naturopaths, and we have people that can help with that level of anxiety. But we don't need to beat ourselves up. We will feel anxious and worried. We just are that way. Yeah.
0: I'd like to share kind of two time or two ways I've experienced that. I experienced one time where I had that, I felt like it was a supernatural God protection of my mind. Uh, we were going through, I had a really difficult pregnancy and we had about um, six months where we knew that this baby was in trouble and he ended up passing away and over that time people kept saying to me I can't believe how much peace you have and I said I can't really believe it either um, because it didn't seem normal to have that kind of peace and About f- five months after it all happened. I all fell apart and I had to deal with it then But God's I think he supernaturally sustained me so that I wasn't falling apart in the middle of it but other times I've had where I've woken up repeatedly night after night after night with the same thing. And I have to continually, like it says in Scripture, to take those thoughts captive to -hmm. Scripture and say, okay, God, why am I continually wrestling with this? Why am I always anxious about this? Why am I always worrying about this? And I've kind of been teaching myself to say, okay, what am I not trusting about you? Uh, What am I not believing about you that I need to correct in my thinking? Mm Because it's those thoughts that are making us worry, right? Because if we truly believe that God is has our best in mind, and that he has the world in control, and that he has all these things. If we can really believe that in our heads and our hearts, it he can help us deal with those things. But it's not. It's like when you become a Christian, nothing changes instantly. It doesn't change instantly. It's a process of growth, and I think all these things are a process of growth. We're going to learn to trust him more as we learn to apply the gospel more to our lives. As we learn who God is more, as we learn um, his character more and his his grace towards us, and all these things. So sometimes it may take. A long
1: time to work through some of that anxiety, and it may be a repeated effort. Well, you think of the most holy people in your life. You think of maybe grandparents, parents, people in your life that you would really consider like super Christians. And you'd say, do they struggle with worry and anxiety? Absolutely they do. Is it sinful to really dwell and nourish that and and keep going around and around? Yeah, we give it to God, we repent, and we confess, and we move forward and we ask people to help us, and we memorize scripture to battle that, and we seek the doctor's help, and we do all kinds of things, but we will. Until the day we die, the last breath we take, we will probably have some measure of worry, anxiety, anger, frustration, all of those emotions with us.
0: Yeah, but there is a discipline, too, Mm -hmm. of, um, I think, bringing your request to God with thanksgiving, and I talked about this a bit at the women's retreat, when we thank God for the things that are in our life it helps us to remember his promises about them and what he's promised to do and to be with us and all these things so I think the more we can bring thanksgiving into our life it helps, it does help us mm-hmm. to guard our heart and our mind but that's all we have time for now, we're actually over time already mm-hmm. uh, to let these guys go and pick up their kids and all that but thank you for joining us and we will finish off the podcast uh, together and have then a we'll let morning. you know when it's available mm-hmm. thanks for coming